Hi, this is Bishop E. James Logan, Senior Pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship Church in Zion, Illinois. Welcome to our podcast. I pray you'll be blessed by a fresh word from God every time you tune in. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6. Hebrews eleven six. 6. Are you ready? You ready? Let's read it out loud together. Ready, begin. But without faith, okay, hold on. I got to turn my hearing aid up. I ain't heard none of y'all say nothing. Let's try that again. Y'all ready? We together? All right, ready, begin. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By your heads, let's pray together. Father, I thank you for another opportunity to gather in worship, prayer, praise, and exhortation of your holy name. Anoint the speaker, anoint the ears to hear, and the heart to receive, so you can get the precious fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. You may be seated. We've got a very interesting topic. We've got to stay on task until God takes me off. We're going to continue to talk about humility. Humility, but in this installment, we're going to talk about humility's prize or humility's reward. Humility's reward. How many of you, by show of hands, realize God is a rewarder? That's good news, isn't it? That, that means the things we do, there's a reward behind it. Not just doing it, I can expect something from God because I'm working the works. I'm doing the works. So God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. We just came off a consecration. We were seeking the face of God. There's a reward that you can expect. I'm going to say that again. It'll catch up. There's a reward for us seeking the Lord diligently. How many of you have been sensing it, getting it, feeling it? How many of you are still waiting on more of it? See, 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 because this is in the Bible, we can talk like this. Because this is in the Bible, we can encourage other saints that don't really know how to fast and pray. You can say stuff like, child, it's a reward at the end of this. Everybody wants to be rewarded. So just like God rewards people that seek him, he also ignores people that don't seek him. So, so again, we can encourage people when we consecrate. Child, you need to fast. You don't want God to ignore you. You don't want to start 2023 with God ignoring you, do you? Look around, look how serious people face them. God, already, we just started the message and they got all serious. Because God rewards people that diligently seek him, and he ignores people that don't seek him. Psalm 10, verse 4. The wicked through, hear this now, 
The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. Read that part again. The wicked through the pride. Of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. You gotta be careful about pride. I gotta read that scripture again. Psalm 10:4. Because of the pride wicked people have, they won't seek God. You ever, heard anybody, you ever had anybody tell you, why are you doing fasting, praying? You don't need to do all that. We should see how y'all looking now. Y'all heads is all down and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and these, these are wonderful people. These are believers, but they won't pray and fast. And they'll try to convince you it don't take all that. Obviously, they haven't read at least these scriptures. Because the proud say, I don't need to see God like that. This is in the Bible. The wicked through the pride of his countenance, it's in your face, will not seek after God. We just read, Hebrew says, there's a reward for people that diligently seek the Lord. You're trying to steal my reward. By telling me I don't need to seek after God. And the sad thing about it is there are people that come to church uh, because they want God to seek after them. They don't worship God. You know I'm here. You know what I need. I'm not clapping my hands. God know what I need. Come to the altar. You're not going to touch me. Proud. Proud. Now, proud. It's called pride. Proverbs 16, 5. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Write that down. Write that down in your in your own handwriting. In your own script, Proverbs 16, 5. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. It's very important. It's very important. I'm about to say some very, very important things. Not that I haven't already. Crucial, critical. But let me finish the scripture. Though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. So we're talking about humility, but in order for us to understand kingdom humility, we have to talk about kingdom pride first. Because pride is the opposite of humility. So let me be as clear as the scriptures. God hates pride. 
God not only hates pride, he tells us in Scripture that pride is an abomination. God bless you. Pride is an abomination. Here's a, here's a quick definition of pride. Quick. Pride is so good, though. It's so good. Pride is the concern with self above all others at all times. I'm going to say it again. It just made me thirsty. Pride is the concern with self above all others all the time. In other words, when you are full of pride, you're never that concerned about other people. You may pretend like you are. And even your concern about other people still involves what you're going to get out of it. God hates pride. Let me tell you why God hates pride. It's all, in the, it's all up in the Word. So you got to read your Bible. God hates pride because pride resists him. <laughs> God hates pride because proud people resist him. Proud people stand against God. Now think about that for a moment. And I, I pray Holy Ghost just talk to you for the next month about this. Because God as creator, as our creator, Savior, Sanctifier, what is man? We're at the apex of his creation. And he can't get through to us. He got it. would hate that. I, I would hate Let's put it, let's, let's break it down to the nuclear family. I would hate to have a son or a daughter I can't get through to. I mean, you, you look like me, I named you after me, and we can't even talk? Because you keep resisting me? I would hate that. I would hate to be God and call a preacher to preach, he won't preach what I want him to preach. I'd hate to be God and start a church and have a choir and your songs don't glorify me. So God hates pride because proud people resist him. So then now, after you've heard just this part of the message, you have to ask yourself, how many times have you resisted God in your pride? He's trying to get through to you. He's trying to bless you, lead you, guide you. And you ain't trying to hear nothing he got to say. You full of pride. Look at you. No, don't look at yourself. Don't look at it. God hates pride. That's why pride on God's radar, on the lists of things he hates, he calls it an abomination. Every sin that mankind can commit. God doesn't call it an abomination. There are a couple handfuls, if you will, 
in Scripture of things man does that God says are an abomination. We can't ignore that. You know, we've grown up, and this is another trick of the devil. Let me just straight out throw it out there. It's another trick of the devil where you've heard all your life, well, all sin is sin. Ah! All sin is not the same. See, y'all, I know it. I know it. So I got to say it again. All sin is not the same in God's eyes. Pride is an abomination. Let's let's go further. Let me me help you. Let me give you some definitions to, to, to let it soak in. I know some of this has to soak in. So, an abomination is worse than common sins. The word abomination is used to describe things to God that are ugly, strange, monstrous. Things that didn't come from him don't look like him and have nothing to do with him. Hate to do it, but to put it in your lap, so much on the news, children doing heinous crimes. They interview the parents. We don't know why he did that. He wasn't raised like that. We don't know where they, that's an abomination. It didn't come from the parents. They don't know where that came from. It, it, it's not anything they were, he or she was raised to be familiar with, to even think about. They don't even know how that even got in the child's mind to even commit such crimes. They were heinous. It's an abomination. There are things that mankind does. God don't know. Of course, he knows everything. But, but in the sense of helping us understand, why did you do that? If you read the scriptures, there are times God said, I never thought you'd ever do that. It's not that you surprise God. He's letting you know this is so far out. I don't know why you did this. This is so far from me. Why did you do this? That's something that's an abomination. And pride, my brothers and my sisters, is an abomination. It shocks God when we act prideful. And you're supposed to know he God and he created you. He could do like this and seize up your lungs and you can't even breathe. He could snap his fingers and we blind. He don't know why you tripping and full of pride. You know why you don't, why won't you worship? You tripping. I'm God. Why you late to church? Why, why you act like, I don't understand. These are all forms of pride that we don't like to talk about in the church. An abomination is something that disgusts God. It's repulsive. It's the same thing with us. There are certain things that are repulsive to us. That that if we see or hear about it, it will make us so sick that we will want to throw up. That we will even vomit. And the reality of it is God's the same way because he says that in Revelation chapter 3, 
Verse 16 in the church of Laodicea. He said, I wish you were either hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, you make me sick. You're an abomination. I want to throw you up. I want to spit you out of my, I can't keep you inside of me. The thought of what you're doing, the thought of your attitude makes me repulsive. It makes me want to vomit. Now, let's be clear, because they're talking in anthropomorphic language. God doesn't have a stomach. He doesn't have a tongue. He doesn't have a mouth, per se. But he's using this language to help us understand what you do and make me sick, just like you get sick. So look at somebody next to you and say, when was the last time you made God sick? In the stomach. Just made God sick. Won't even give God an aspirin. Just still acting bad. Still sinning. Still, I feel like walking down there. Still rebelling. Still committing fornication. Still committing adultery. Still lying. Still stealing. You made God sick. He's still sick. When are you going to make God well and get out of your pride? When are you going to bring healing to the body and get out of your pride? Woo-wee. Oh, God, I thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your mercy this morning. Thank you for your mercy. We had to do that worship. We had to come to the altar because you, you didn't know this part was coming. See, sin offends God, but some things make God, if we can say it this way, sick and angry. There are a couple more things I'll mention in scriptures that the Bible says are an abomination to God. Leviticus 18, 12. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with mankind or with womankind. It's an abomination. You know what that is, I I'll read it again just in case she was writing. Leviticus 18, 22. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It's an abomination. In other words, I don't care how much you say love can't be wrong. Your love is an abomination. If two men and two women are lying down together, that love is an abomination to God. It makes God sick. He didn't create man to do that. And I know people, you know, technology at times, people get more and more progressive. But, and I'm going to say this again, and you may not really understand why I'm saying it, but I got to say it. As long as God got me pastor in this church, it ain't going to never be okay. I hear Bishop will catch up. He's pretty smart. He'll catch up. He, he'll catch up. Nobody's talking like that anymore. He'll catch up. He's pretty sharp. I'm sharp enough to read the Bible. <laughs> Come on, Mother Hayes. Come on, Mother Hayes. You strengthen your young <laughs> No. Nah, nah. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It's an abomination. Make God sick to this, his stomach. It should make you sick to your stomach. Seeing two women kiss and two men kiss. 
should make you sick. You shouldn't be saying, ooh, they just love each other. And just love is wonderful. That's an abomination, my brother. God said it. I was telling Pastor Deborah on the way here, she's asking me a couple questions about some things. And I said, you know, I said, I feel good because I'm, God gave me a word. As a pastor, a preacher, my confidence comes from knowing I'm saying what he wants me to say. No messenger should be comfortable if they don't understand the message they got to take. And no messenger should just say, well, I don't know what the message is. I lost it, but I think this is what they want me to tell you. The messenger's confidence is in the message. Now, as a pastor, preacher, prophet, all that, that's only the beginning of it. I can control hearing the message clear. I know how to shut away. I know how to hear God. The end part is the challenging part. I don't know how you're going to receive the message. Because I know it's from God. <laughs> Second abomination. Let me finish this message. Proverbs 12, 22. Lying lips. Oh, you felt that, didn't you? Oh, lying lips are an abomination. Your soup cooler's abominating. Ooh, you got abominating soup coolers. Lying lips are an abomination. God said, why you got to lie when the truth is all in you, all around? Why you got to lie? Why you got, you ain't got to lie. Come on now, come on. Some of us need to just stop lying. And what I mean by that is you tell a lie, I say, wait a minute, nope, I'm, nope, let me stop. That's a lie. I'm, I'm going to stop lying today. I'm gonna tell, I just said it was a lie. You need to do that to yourself. All, <laughs> all it'll take about two or three times, you'll stop lying when you start telling the truth on yourself. <laughs> lying lips are an abomination. Did you know that? It just doesn't. Offend God, it makes God sick to hear people lie, especially his children who are armed with the truth. We're just saying, hallelujah, he reigns. He don't reign if you lie. You trying to control stuff with your lies. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. Oh, here's another word that we need to talk about to help us understand. So the opposite of an abomination or things that make God sick or things that, that are, are vulgar and things that upset him are things that he delights in. The opposite of an abomination is for God to delight in you. We are all, or we should all be, as believers, striving for God to delight in us. So we shouldn't commit abominations because they prevent him from delighting in us. 
See, humility is the opposite of pride, just like delight is the opposite of abominations. I'll say it again. Humility is the opposite of pride, just like delight is the opposite of an abomination. When God does not delight in you, it's a problem. So it only stands to reason humility would be, have the opposite effect on God as pride would. It, it only makes sense that humility would have the opposite effect on God that pride has on him. Opposites are called, you know this, all our English teachers and educators, antonyms. An antonym is an opposite. So here's an antonym, or here are several antonyms or opposites of abomination. Beauty. Wow. Beauty is the opposite of an abomination. So abomination is ugly. Boy, you can dress up and look fine, and, but if you're an abomination, you're just as ugly to God, just ugly. You might fool a few brothers. But those that are real sensitive, ooh, that's just ugly. The stuff she's doing, ooh, that's ugly. See, this is the kind of stuff you need to be thinking about before you marry a sister. She may be popping, you know, she, you know, she, hey, go black girl, go. Hey, you know, got all her stuff lined up, you know, her degrees, all that. But if that sister is an abomination, you don't want to marry her. Same thing with a brother. If he's doing things that God does not like, that's not someone you want to spend the rest of your life with, an abomination. <laughs> Here's another antonym of abomination, enjoyment, which means if your life is an abomination, you cannot enjoy it. If you're full of pride, you will not enjoy your life. And most people won't enjoy being around you. Blessing. It's, it's a blessing to be humble. Bless. Humble people are blessed people. Prideful people, not so much. Periodic, sporadic blessings may find themselves in the lives of prideful people. Honor. Humble people are honored. All the time. Humble people are loved. Humble people are shown affection. People are fond of humble people. You can go out to dinner with them and it's not going to be all about them. Humble people are preferred rather than prideful people. Humble people are respected. Prideful people aren't respected that much. People say stuff like, well, he, he, he accomplished all that, but can't nobody really stand him. He got all those awards, but who cares? <laughs> That's what people say about prideful people. They're not respected. So let, let me talk about the rewards for humility. And we'll go home. Is that all right? I didn't wound you too bad earlier, did I? All right. Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles, chapter 34, verses 27 through 28. All right. And it reads, because thine heart was tender and thou didst humble thyself before God, 
when thou heardest his words against this place and against the inhabitants thereof. You humbled yourself before me and did rend your clothes and weep before me, God says. I have heard thee also, saith the Lord. Notice what God says. Because the people humbled themselves, he heard them. Verse 28. Behold, I will gather thee to thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered to the grave in peace. Neither shall thine eyes see all the evil that I will bring upon this place and upon the inhabitants of the same. So they brought the king the word again. See, these words were spoken by Huldah the prophetess to Josiah, who he became king at eight years old. And he reigned in Jerusalem and he got off course. He was, of course, he was real young. So probably had some advisors that didn't advise him well. And he started doing wicked things. And then they found the book of the law while they were rebuilding the temple. And they discovered through reading the scriptures how far they had gotten from God. And they humbled themselves and got rid of idol worship and they rededicated themselves to the Lord. Because they humbled themselves, God said to Josiah, God punish you. But it's not going to happen until after you did. I'm going to punish you. But because you humbled yourself. It's not going to happen while you're alive. Second Chronicles. 3226. This is even clearer and plainer. Notwithstanding, Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart, both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of God came not upon them in the days of Hezekiah. See the pattern? <clears throat> Excuse me. We can humble ourselves. And with <laughs> and delay God's wrath. Let me say it another way. <laughs> I believe if we humble ourselves, there's some things that we won't see in our generation. So then we have to teach the next generation to humble themselves, to delay the wrath of God on their generation. But if we don't and we walk around here with all this pride, we're going to get the punishment of past generations on this generation because we ain't got sense enough to understand the scriptures. There's some things my son and grandson won't experience. I humble myself. God decided not to punish Hezekiah until after Hezekiah was dead. He wouldn't feel it. See, because humility is such a beautiful thing to God, 
Nothing ugly comes from it. Nothing ugly comes from humility. God told Josiah that, and he told Hezekiah the same thing. Watch this. Ancient wisdom teaches Methuselah was one of the seven men whose years overlapped those of Adam. And we talked about that some time ago. Methuselah humbled himself, and he was a servant and or student of Adam for over 240 years. Methuselah's name means when he is dead, it shall come. Because Methuselah humbled himself, served these men, the flood didn't come till he died. His name literally means when he is dead, it's coming. What is your humble life holding back? What is your life of humility holding back? Or are you so full of pride, stuff is quickly coming into the world because of you? Hmm. Psalm 10. 17 and 18. Thou hast heard the desire of the humble. Thou wilt prepare their heart. Thou wilt cause thine ear to hear. Again, God listens to the humble and he delays wrath. Verse 18. To judge the fatherless and the oppressed, that men on earth may no more oppress. Proverbs 29, 23. A man's pride shall bring him low. Pride brings people down. Pride brings people down. But honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. If you want to make sure God will support you in every season of your life, you, I, we must walk in humility. It is our humility that ensures God will continually support you, your health, your business, your ministry, your mind, your marriage, your family, your community, the church we go to. It's humility. We must be people of humility if we want God to sustain our ministry. Person's arrogance will bring them down. Can't go around talking like we the baddest thing in Lake County. That's arrogance. Arrogance will bring people down, causing them to sink into humiliation. But honor, glory, riches, and abundance seizes the humble. I believe this is a year that many will begin to receive the riches and the covenant promises that God has made in your life. I, I believe many of us in here will, will grab a hold and receive the riches and the glory and the abundance that God has promised us because we've been walking in humility and we've been fighting the good fight of faith and we haven't quit. 
It's through faith and patience we inherit the promise. But you got to be humble while you wait. Don't fight everybody while you wait. Don't frust everybody while you're waiting. God doesn't let the humble endure tragedy too long. Write that down. That's a good one. That's a good one. God doesn't let humble people endure tragedy too long. Somebody's coming out. You've been going through too long. There's no reason you've been going through this long. And you kept your mouth shut. You you kept praying and you didn't complain. You're about to come out. God hears the humble. Proverbs 22, 4. By humility and fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. You better get ready. By humility and fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Proverbs 3, 16. Length of days are in her right hand. And in her left hand, riches and honor. The humble live longer, happier lives than the prideful. I'm just going to say this raw. I just felt I just felt let it say it like that. I'm going to say it raw. Here with the spirit. The reason that dude got shot in the head, he was full of pride. If he had just chilled, he'd still be alive. Somebody needed to hear that. I don't know who that was. Isaiah 57, 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him that is also of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Did you hear what God said? He lives. God said, I hang out with humble people. You can hang out with all them foolish, prideful people you are. I hang out with humble people. If God hangs out with humble people, what kind of people you think we should hang out with? What he said, I dwell in the high and holy place with him that is of a contrite and humble spirit. Mm, mm, mm. The humble live in the glorious presence of God. The humble live in the glorious presence of God. You never have to worry about the glory showing up when humble people worship. You didn't get it. You didn't get it. If you want to make sure the glory shows up every service, make sure you keep yourself humble. Stay small in your own eyes. And when you get together, lift him up. Make him big. (laughs) Hallelujah. Stay small in your own eyes and then lift him up when we get together. And the glory of God will show up. Sing when you don't feel like it. Sing when you're hoarse. Sing when you don't know the words. And wink at your neighbor. Now, I know I didn't know the words, but I hope I didn't mess you up, but I'm, I'm giving God glory. The humble live in the glorious presence of God. They enjoy the exalted and sacred place where God is the source of of their strength and courage. Man. So all those scriptures 
that I read. I'm just going to give you the list because they're all in the scriptures, just in case you miss it. And it's in my notes, of course. All right. So the reward for humility, protection from all harm, disaster and calamity. Number two, they have God's constant attention. Number three, God settles their hearts and dispels their fears. Number four, God assures them of his favor. Number five, God gives them riches, glory, honor, and abundance. Number six, God gives them long life to enjoy. Number seven, God gives them strength and courage along the way. And then, of course, God delights in the humble. Last two scriptures. Stand on your feet. I'm going to read them. We can get ready to go home. Jesus is speaking. This is Matthew chapter 18, verse 4. Jesus says, whoever... Therefore, shall humble himself as a little child. The same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. If you want to be great. If you want to be great. In the kingdom. Humble yourself. Like a little child. Jesus didn't say if you want to be great, learn how to prophesy accurately. Tell everybody where their address is and where they left their wallet. Jesus said, if we want to be great in the kingdom, we must humble ourselves as a little child. Matthew 23, 11, last scripture. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Whoever is the greatest serves the most. He didn't say who, who <laughs> he didn't, Jesus didn't say whoever's the greatest tell everybody else what to do. Verse 12. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that humble himself shall be exalted. Every head bow, please. To humble ourselves before God is the greatest thing that we could do. In fact, we can't even be saved until we first humble ourselves before God. We cannot feel or think of ourselves as all sufficient or having any sufficiency whatsoever. There's absolutely nothing that we could do to save ourselves. There's nothing good in us. Paul said, in me there's well as no good thing. There's nothing good in any one of us whatsoever that we could brag about. There's nothing in us that's good enough that God didn't need to change. Everything in us and about us needed transformation. That's why the blood is applied. That's why we're given a new spirit. That's why we're given a new name eventually. That's why we're going to get a new body. There's nothing good about us whatsoever. Don't allow yourself to think there's anything good about you that is redeemable and doesn't need to be changed and doesn't need to be touched by God. And once God changes us, we still need his grace and his mercy. We still need his Holy Spirit. 
We still need his power every day to wake up. God, make me a, a new vessel. Make me over again. Make me who I need to be for you to use me today. Thank you for using me yesterday, 10 years ago, but today is a new day. I humble myself. I fall at your feet. Take me apart. Mix me up. Fix me. Do whatever you need to do. Because I want to be your delight. I want you to delight in me. I don't want to be an abomination. I don't want to be someone that makes you sick when you think about me, when you see me. So today, this word has come and sobered me. It's hit me right where I need to be hit. Stop letting me compare my goodness with the goodness of others. My goodness can only be compared to you. And when you say you're finished with me, then I am finished. But I need to hear you say, well done, Ishmaba. I need to hear you say, well done, thou good and faithful. I need to hear you say that to me. Then I'll know I didn't live a life of pride. Didn't live a life of selfishness. Every waking moment of my life wasn't just about me. What they did, what I deserve, what should have happened. How can I get it back? It's about you. It's about you. Forgive me for allowing my thoughts to be consumed about me. Forgive me for letting my thoughts be filled with what I should get, what I deserve. Today, I surrender. Today, I give you more of me than I've ever given you before. I'm not afraid any longer. <laughs> I'm not afraid any longer to hold anything back from you. Because I realize I should have given it to you years ago. So one last time, the altar is open for those that will humble themselves. Pastor Cam was teaching Wednesday night about the glory and humility. And he's talking about Moses. And I, I pulled the scripture up and we were talking about it. Moses wrote, obviously, the first five books of the Old Testament. And in the book of Numbers, which is one of the books Moses wrote, Moses wrote of himself that Moses was the most humble man in the world. Isn't that something? How can you be humble enough to write that you're the humblest person? You got to really know you're humble for you to write you're the most humble man on the planet and it stay in the holy canon of scriptures. God agrees that, yeah, you are. It's going to be there forever. Why am I saying that? You got to be honest with yourself right now. 
bow your heads, please. I, I'm trying to help somebody. It, 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 the altar's open. It's time for you before God, your creator, to be honest with yourself. Whatever you're not that you're supposed to be, that you know God has called you to be, it's time for you to come to the altar and say, God, help me become that today. You may be 16 or 60. Whatever your age is, it's time to get real with this. It's time to get real with God. Mm. It's time to get real with God. The altar is open. Come right now. Well, thank you for joining us. I also want to thank you in advance for clicking on the link to support our ministry. Your giving is what moves ministry forward and ministry must move forward. You can also visit us online at cffczion.org for more information. If you were blessed by this word, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. God bless you.